which is a I'll I'll be honest here. <laughs> that is an answer I would give. Yeah. I would say, okay, so let me get this straight. So your MacBook does not charge when you shut it down. And they say, yeah, it's not charging when you shut it down. I'm like, all right, well, does it charge when you don't shut it down? Yeah, it charges when I don't shut it. Yeah, it charges just fine. I'm like, well, sounds like you need to don't shut it down. <laughs> You're listening to the Snob OS Podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Montford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And welcome back to another episode of the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. I am coming off of a cold, so you have to excuse me if I'm act sounding all congested, but uh, that's what I was dealing with in between eating uh, turkey day uh, leftovers, so I'm dealing with a cold, but... Uh, the show never stops, so we're going to go ahead and push forward. So I want to thank you all for joining us back for another episode of the Snob OS Show. Uh, we're going to get right into the show, I think, because we've got a couple of things to talk about for Apple. Um, we're going to get into the lowdown, we're going to talk all things Apple, and we're going to get into our first uh, subject, which for these new MacBooks, it seems like more and more issues I'm not experiencing this issue. I was going to ask if you're experiencing this issue, but nope. to to get folks caught up, there are some people out there who are claiming to have MacBook Pro issues, like the new M1 Pro and the M1 Max MacBook Pros, to where um, they won't charge when the uh, devices are turned off. Like if I put it to sleep, or you just close the lid and charge it, it charges just fine, but if you completely shut it down and plug in your uh, MagSafe connector or USB-C to charge, it won't charge. So again, I haven't experienced this, uh, but a thread on Reddit has highlighted numerous users. We got to use that term lightly, numerous right. uh, users who cannot charge their MacBook while it is completely shut down. Um, according to this story, uh, Apple has, I guess, addressed or acknowledged that there is an issue and suggests come charging the computer in sleep mode or like I mentioned with the lid open again that really that's 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 almost like a well just don't do it like that you know it's, yeah. it's kind of like a typical Apple response when the response said probably what these people who are experiencing this issue want to hear is we're pushing out a new update or we've acknowledged that this issue and our engineers are hard at work you know, whatever, whatever those other responses are, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the last thing these people want to hear is, well, which is it? I'll, I'll be honest here. <laughs> that is an answer I would give. Yeah. I would say, okay, so let me get this straight. So your MacBook does not charge when you shut it down. And they say, yeah, it's not charging when you shut it down. I'm like, all right, well, does it charge when you don't shut it down? Yeah, it charges when I don't shut it. Yeah, it charges just fine. I'm like, well, Sounds like you need to don't shut it down. <laughs> but yeah, because isn't that what they're recommending? It's like, so don't, when you charge it, charge it with the lid open or on sleep. I think that's their workaround for now, right? Yeah, yeah. Which again, me personally, you know, not being petty or anything, I'm like, well, if it doesn't work this way, <laughs> but it does work this way, use this one. <laughs> but <Right>. again, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, again, at the same time, I empathize with those people who have spent all this money for this brand new MacBook. It's supposed to work the way it's supposed to work. Right. When it's not working that way, you have a legitimate reason to be upset. So, again, um, there's no numbers on how many people are experiencing that. You know, Reddit is one of those places, just like the Internet. Yeah. The, the people that you will hear the most from are the people who are the loudest who are the people with the most issues. Right. You won't hear people going to Reddit, you know, in mass and talk about how much they love it. You're only going to hear people put up these threads when something is wrong. So, yeah. but again, uh, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, so again, at the very least, Apple has at least acknowledged that there is an issue. Maybe in a later update, you'll probably see some sort of um, way that they, Apple has 
you know, resolve this issue. All right. So moving on to the next story, um, Apple has decided they're going to offer Mac upgrade programs to business partners. So if you are a small business or your large business business or your corporation and you want to take advantage of the same type of upgrade program that is currently out there for iPhones. So, like, for example, you know, you um, don't pay the full cost of the iPhone. You, you know, put a percentage down. I don't know what that number is. And then over 24 or 36 monthly payments, you know, you uh, pay it off and then you can automatically after that year or two years, you can upgrade to a new device. Well, Apple is doing that same thing, but not for every customers. You got to be a business partner. So you got to be a small business, got to be legit, got to have your papers. You know, once you go through that process and then you, uh, you know, uh, fill out the application and then once you're approved, uh, Apple business partners uh, that allow companies to easily distri- distribute and upgrade their fleets of MacBooks at an affordable price of all their workers. So, again, MacBook Pros, you know, MacBooks, you know, this uh, Apple computer in general is pretty expensive out the gate. So I, yeah. I can see this being a benefit for business partners who want to kind of spread out the cost of a MacBook over the course of however many years. It doesn't specify how many is it 24, is it 36, is it 48? You know, it doesn't specify how many um, uh, months that you can actually spread out the payment, but they give you some examples of some prices. For example, the new 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros are offered at $60 and $70 per month, respectively, while the 13 inch MacBook Pro and MacBook Air are offered at $30 and $39, uh, $30, $30 and $39 monthly payments. No MacBook desktop provided as part of the program. So no Mac minis, no iMacs. We're just talking about MacBook Pros, whether it be the newest just came out or the previous generations are a part of this. So, um, but at the same time, like I said, I could see this being a benefit to large businesses who constantly are ordering MacBooks for new employees. I don't know if I see this uh, for small businesses, you know, actually, uh, one of my small business clients reached out to me and said, yo, you know, you know, Apple is offering this MacBook upgrade program. You know, he's got a law office of about one, two, three, four, maybe five Macs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't see you using this because you keep your MacBooks forever. Number one, because you don't have that lot of employee turnaround. And two, you got me <laughs> and I fix them. <laughs> So right. I'm going to make sure that they uh, last. They're in tip-top condition. <laughs> right. Longer than a couple years, you know, and, and that's the whole point of buying a MacBook is this is supposed to last forever. Like, you know, he's got a couple Macs that are 2012 MacBook Airs, you know, and they're still kicking, you know, yeah. um, any issues, you know, he reaches out to me, you know, I kind of run through them, make sure they're fine, you know, so he's had those for what it was twenty twelve. It's ten years almost yeah. longer than going through this program to where he'd be spending. You know, let's just say if he bought a thirteen inch MacBook Pro sixty dollars a month for let's say four years, and then at the end of the four years, it's assumed that you're going to try to get another one. Yeah. When in fact, you know, most people are going to keep their Macs as long as freaking possible because right. they're so expensive. Right, because I know I I casually mentioned to my mom that I got a new MacBook Pro and then she brought it up when we talked like a few days later and she was like, what was wrong with your other one? I was like, nothing was wrong with it. I was just like, it's, I've had it for a while. Um, I wanted a bigger screen. I wanted to upgrade and she was like, oh, so it's one of those things where if you make sure to take care of your devices, especially Macs, the sticker shock up front may kind of get you. But when you think about how long you will have this device and how well they work, so, you know, deep into, you know, how the long, the time that you have them, it, it really balances out and, it, and it's really worth it because you do get a quality product and you don't have to keep buying new laptops every Black Friday. That's what I tell one of my aunts. Every Black Friday, she's trying to buy a new laptop. And I'm like, why don't, why are you buying these $250, $300 HPs oh every year? Just mm-hmm. buy a nice one. And it's not like she can't afford it. Right. She's just cheap. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, but at the same time, like I said, I can see for a small, a larger businesses yeah. who are always ordering Macs for new employees, you know, multiple times a year, yeah. I can definitely see spreading out that, like you said, that, that upfront sticker cost, you know, into smaller chunks uh, would benefit them, especially if they know in four 
five years, they're going to get another one. Yeah. Or if you're, if you are a small business and maybe you're just starting and you have the budget for it, you know, if you're just kind of like setting up your outfit, this might be beneficial. But if you are, you know, in it, you have, like you said, good devices and you're taking care of them, then it may not necessarily be too beneficial. But if you, you know, are fairly new or, you know, in the game and, and you want to, or you're trying to completely re-outfit everybody, then sure. But I think there are special use cases for it, but I don't think it's kind of one of those, if you're a small business or if you're a, if you're an Apple partner, then yeah, let's go out and do this. I think it's use cases specific based on what they're offering to me. Right. Uh, and uh, something that just came to mind, there's no, to my knowledge, according to reading a story, there's no thing like a car lease. At the end of a car lease, you know, you've got to turn the car in and get another one, or you got to renegotiate, quote unquote, refinance mm -hmm. the, the remaining amount of the vehicle. Uh, well, this may be a little bit different to where wherever that uh, amount of time, let's just say it's four years, you should own the device after four years. There's no stipulation saying you got to re-up within the program. So, you know, if you if you're just starting off as a small business, and you got to order five max instead of paying upwards of, you know, five, six thousand dollars up front. You can go this route and only pay whatever 30 times five is per month. And, you know, and then at the end of the program, you own them and then you just keep them. You yeah. don't necessarily have to turn them in. So, yeah. And these know, are the M1. These are the M1 Pro or the M1 MacBook, so the way that these things are running, you know, I think you'll get your your mileage out of it even right. more than you would with a, a regular uh, Intel MacBook. Right. All right. Uh, so a little bit of bad news, uh, specifically for me, um, because I've been looking forward to doing this. Uh, Apple has delayed uh, the ability to add your driver's license to the wallet app, uh, according to Apple's website. Uh, Apple notes the ability to add your ID to your wallet app on your phone will launch early 2022. So who knows what early means, but we we're all kind of waiting around because they announced this and we expected it to be uh, released with the release of iOS 15, which was back in December, I'm sorry, back in September. So we've been, I've been waiting for September, no word, October, no word. November, no word. And then towards the end of November, they say, oh, early 2022. So uh, I got to wait a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. And I'm wondering me, if, right. I'm wondering if this has anything to do with one of the stories that we talked about a few weeks ago with, it was some organization that was changing the standards on driver's license or something. Possibly. I wonder possibly. if that may have, you know, something to do with this implementation that yeah, yeah, they yeah, couldn't have foreseen. Yeah, or they just maybe, okay, so there's a standard going on. Okay, well, let's make sure we're part of that standard versus making our own, you know. Yeah. So maybe they're, you know, researching that, you know, make sure you get all the stipulations of that, you know, see if they can either be a part of that or, like like I mentioned, you know, say, all right, well, we tried y'all way. Let's do that. We're do it our own way. Yeah. Right. But, you know, maybe they're leaving some room to research and flesh that out first before they decide to do their own thing, which I would prefer – Apple do the standardization thing yes. versus trying to do their own thing because yeah. that makes it easier, makes more people applicable. Yeah. You know, they may make and less it, things you know, have to do to fit it to make it work. It's going to work out the box, right? Exactly. All right, so uh, let's let's transition to you. Um, I saw this story and I figured, yeah, we got to put this in here because this may bring a little bit of a smile to your face, um, Mark Gurman. Uh, he is a uh, analyst, an Apple analyst for uh, Bloomberg. Uh, he says that Apple is still working on a wireless charging mat of some sort. Uh, there's not a lot of details, but he said the mat should be able to charge three devices at the same time. Now, this is unlike the uh, current thing that they have out on the market. I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, to where it can, yeah, MagSafe charger to where it unfolds and it can charge your iPhone and your Apple Apple Watch. No, this is the Air Power Mat esque thing that Mark Gurman says they're working on. So I just wanted to get your uh, take on: uh, Do you believe this, or do you want this, or are you past it? Are you over it? 
So I saw this on Twitter and it was initial was like, then it was an eye roll. They are not going to Charlie Brown and Lucy B. (laughs) I am going to wait with no expectation. And if they do deliver this and I'm like, oh, cool. Yay. And if not, it's like, well, I kind of figured. So, you know, I'm... I'm neither, I'm not moved in, in either direction. Initially, I think we all know I was super excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but after all the back and forth, um, you know, I was like, okay, it it must be something going on with the hardware. And it makes sense. I mean, I did, I had to do a power series in undergrad and I know how power distribution can work. And the way they were saying that you could move these things around and it could, you just put it down on a charge from anywhere. If you think about any of the charging stations or mats, now you have to put it in a specific location mm-hmm. for it to charge. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to do away with that. So you could just put it anywhere. Then they were trying to add the fact that the power mat could tell who needed to charge most. So right. it could shift where the power distribution, distribution was going. Right. And knowing how power distribution and circuits go, that's that's some really hard stuff. Even right. for Apple and their endless money and they're super smart people, it's super tough to figure out. And so when right. they pulled it back, I figured, I mean, I don't work at Apple. I don't know anybody that work at I know some people work at Apple, but you know, I pretty much assume that this was more than they probably they bit off more than they could chew in the time frame that they were saying so they finally said you know what we're just gonna pull this all the way back i always thought they were going to continue working on it because they did put a lot of time into this up front i figured they just kind of took it off the surface because it was a no-go it was embarrassing but i think that they kept their team who was initially working on it continued to work on it so so um um, the complexity, it seems to be the challenge. Mm-hmm. What if they made it less complex? What if it just charged three devices on at the same time and maybe didn't have the place anywhere functionality or maybe didn't have the power distribution based on the needs and requirements of whatever devices you had connected? What if Apple just came out with a pad like all these other pads that are currently out there That'll make that sell for like a hundred dollars a pop because I have one. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm not talking about the little cheap Amazon ones. I'm talking about Nomad and you know some of these higher end mm-hmm. Apple accessory makers that make high end um, accessories that are that have these pads out there to where you can charge your phone and your Apple Watch. You know, and you can charge your AirPods or your iPhone. And, you know, why can't Apple just say, all right? We're going to scale it. It's been, it's been enough time has passed. Mm-hmm. People have kind of washed their hands of it. They've kind of forgotten about it. Let's uh, scale this thing back a little bit and just give people the ability to charge all the devices on an Apple branded pad. And then we kind of add features, update, upgrade as we go along, you know, um, instead of trying to do all this thing, it's either all or none with right. this Air Power Mac. And I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing is just giving what's pretty much already on the market is just Apple branded. And like I said, I don't think that their engineers had stopped working on this when they said they were pulling it back. So I think what they'll probably do, of course, is all speculation, is they will come out with a power mat where you can charge the devices, but you have to put them in the specific locations. There are no power change or power distributions. Mm -hmm. They probably have their team, since it sounds like they're almost ready to release this, they probably have their teams working on the next iteration. So the next iteration may be, you can put the stupid thing, you can put your device anywhere in the charge. And the next version, it'll be, it'll know which is being charged more, where you need to switch the power distribution. So it may be one of those things where they do kind of roll out the features. That's what I'm guessing because they've been working on this a long time and they couldn't seem to get it to work. So that might be, you know, kind of where they are. And no one asked for all these fancy features where it knows how to shift power around or you could just put it anywhere. It they came fancy. up with this on their own, on their own to say, we're going to just one up everybody else who has these power mats. And then it, it fell flat. <laughs> I mean, so. it sounds fancy, but again, they'll probably make money nonetheless. Right. So for me, I would say just dumb it down a little bit get it out there, see if people like it, see if people, they can make a ton of money. 
and then uh, upgrade as they go along. Yep. All right. All right. So last story is um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, when Apple really wanted or suggested or strongly urged people to update to iOS 14.8. The reason why they wanted everybody to update to that was because there was some company out of Israel, um, I want to say Israel, I think. Israel, yeah. Yeah, those, they, they were uh, trying to track their um, political dis- dissidents, people who were speaking out against the government. They uh, created a piece of spyware that they could put on these uh, political folks' uh, phones and track them where they're going, find out who they're talking to, so on and so forth. Apple uh, patched that and said, okay, you need to update this because we don't want this stuff to happen. This company seems to still be at work trying to create this software that will enable governments, whomever, to put this spyware on iPhones. So Apple's still trying to fight with them. So they've decided to um, let users know if spyware has actually been installed on their phone. So the way Apple's going to do it is it's going to detect that a user has been targeted by a state-sponsored hacking via this software, this NGO software, I think it's the name of it. It will send an iMessage and an email to the addresses on file, and threat notification will be displayed when the user signs into Apple ID uh, according to Apple. Um, Again, this is not for everybody. (laughs) I'm not a, personally, I'm not a political uh, state sponsor, a political target of a state sponsored hacking. So this doesn't apply to 99.9% of us. Uh, And Apple actually says these users are individually targeted because of who they are or what they do. Unlike traditional cyber criminals, state sponsored attackers apply exceptional resources to target a very small number of specific individuals and their devices, which makes these attacks much harder to to detect and prevent. So basically what Apple saying is, it's very, very hard to just uh, patch a individual device when they are being attacked specifically by a state-sponsored hacking. So the best thing we can do is let those users know if that stuff has been added on their device. But don't get it it twisted. Everybody out there ain't going to get notified when, you know, your baby daddy <laughs> gets your Apple ID, you right. know, <laughs> you ain't this is you, very unique right. situation. I believe the software was Pegasus and I think we talked about it uh, and, uh, you know, with all the issues that we have in this country, there are countries that are regimes that mm-hmm. try to quash any mm-hmm. type of, um, uh, against the government sentiments. And we're mm-hmm. not just talking about, you know, I don't like, you know, somebody on WhatsApp. He, right. he, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, didn't do student loan forgiveness. So I don't like mm-hmm. him and whatever. We're talking about countries and nations that oppress their citizens and suppress free speech. Mm-hmm. And if you have any type of dissidence against the country for human rights violations for Mm -hmm. you know uh, climate uh awareness you know really serious issues they put the spyware on these individuals to try and track them in Mm -hmm. some instances to harm them in some instances Mm -hmm. to find out where their families are so this isn't just something that's one of those things where it's you know a disagreement with you know something that the government's done this is real life life or death type of of situations that apple is 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 going for to make sure that these folks know that hey the government of the country that you live in the ultra powerful government that pretty much controls everything in the country that you live in they are tracking you they've hacked your phone they know your personal information and they know where you are so be advised and 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 take care to know that this has happened to you and you need to take the appropriate steps to make sure that you and your family and your loved ones are safe. So, yeah. But yeah, like I was saying, you know, uh, co- countries have done much worse. Yeah. Uh, countries have disappeared people. Yeah. Countries have poisoned people mm-hmm. all for, you know, speaking out against their country and they get traction. So it's one thing 
for you to say, you know what, the government's wrong, you know, but it's another thing for people to be like, yeah, you're right. The government is wrong. You should speak up on these type of things and you get some sort of influence as a uh, proponent or an, an opponent rather to that specific country. You know, last thing a country wanting is somebody uh, getting some status off of speaking up against them. So, you know, like I said, worse things have happened. So you better be lucky that you better be lucky you're only getting a message from Apple saying, yo, this country may be tracking you. You may want to use that as a precursor of the next steps. He might disappear. So exactly <laughs> all that to exactly. say, you know, when you get that message, you may want to uh, do that. You you may want to take heed quick, fast in a hurry. <laughs> right. But, all right. So that's it for the lowdown. We're going to move right into second string. Uh, you've mentioned before you are all things Twitter. Uh, so how did you take or how do you think Twitter is going to be affected that the CEO and co-founder uh, Jack Dorsey has stepped down from Twitter? I think this has been a long time coming. They did um, oust him once before and then they brought him back. Um, so I don't think it's really going to have too much effect because the people, you know, Jack has stepped down, but the people that are kind of stepping are the next step in the chain. So it's people who have been with the company since, you know, the beginning, who've been with um, Jack the whole time, been with Twitter, have different roles. So I think Twitter is a machine. I think it keeps on rolling. I think that the new CEO, um, Parag um, Agarwal, I hope Agrawal, I'm saying Agrawal, Agrawal. Yep. I think he'll probably try and make some changes to kind of make his mark as the CEO to maybe try and differenti differentiate himself from the, the Jack-led um, uh, Twitter. But I think it'll probably pretty much be lockstep with with the expectation, you know, some people I saw, they were like, oh, they're going to mess around and let Trump come back. Highly unlikely. Um, you know, so those type of things, it's, I don't think incestuous is the word that I'm looking for, but it's very family oriented that he was a CTO. Now he's stepping up as a CEO. He's been with Twitter for 20, 10 years. Like I said, he's been in this small family of, of Twitter leadership. So I don't think it's that huge of a difference. And I think the person that's taking the, the COO spot, he's been with Twitter a long time. They're kind of moving him up. So I think it's just, you know, the top level is down and they're just kind of like a Pez dispenser. They're just mm -hmm. moving the next one up to kind of fill that slot. So I don't think it'll change Twitter too much. Um, but I think the bigger thing that people might be missing is the fact that Jack Dorsey owns both Twitter and Square. Mm -hmm. I think he is really shifting to focus mm -hmm. solely on Square, which was just announced today, has been renamed Block. So I think they're oh, no, more. I see that. Yeah, it just happened right before we went to air, mm -hmm. uh, where they're going to focus more on cryptocurrency. So mm -hmm. it's not just going to be, you know, Square. It, again, it's not Square anymore. It's it's Block. Okay. And they'll still have the same um, trading name um, under Square, but I think they're really trying to move away from the old, you know, think of the Square, the little mm -hmm. white box that you do credit card payments. I think they're trying to shift focus from that and to focus more on the crypto space since that is, you know, pretty much where it's at. And I think this gives him the opportunity to focus solely on block and, you know, because Twitter... I think is, I won't say it's on autopilot, but it's in a state where it doesn't really need a lot of handholding. It solidified the space in the social media ecosystem. It's doing its own thing. Twitter's not going anywhere. So I think now he can shift his focus over to the now block to work on getting this crypto space, you know, but really and not even just on a, on a bigger scale. Right. And not just uh crypto, just, uh, Digital payments. Blockchain. Digital, I think that's yeah. where it kind of came comes from, the whole blockchain. Um, that's I think that's where the name comes from, but you know. Because title is also wrapped up in there as yep, well. He he purchased title too. Right, so. right. And I'm pretty sure they'll come up with some ways to, you know, um, 
music NFTs and, you know, entertainment. Hey, artists in crypto. Yeah, like, I think, right, what's the right. guy? Odell Beckham. I think he's getting his whole paycheck now in uh, Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll probably find ways for to pay their artists in Bitcoin or crypto, whatever cryptocurrency that they choose. I think that, you know, I think that's the wave. And I think he realizes that one, they didn't really want him at Twitter anymore anyway. And mm -hmm. he's like, okay, cool. I can go and focus on this new, more exciting thing that I kind of mm -hmm. want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a natural progression. So. Right. And he, you know, uh, Jack Dorsey mentioned, and I, you know, we in so many ways kind of agreed that Twitter is harmful. Social media in general uh, can be harmful to how people, view themselves, how they view the others, how they view the world. So he probably didn't want none of that. Yeah. You know, he's seems to be one of those kind of not aloof, not it's not the right word. One of those people who's, you know, uh, you know, really don't want to be bogged down with the feelings part of a business. <laughs> so this, you know, giving him the ability to work on cryptocurrency and blockchain and all this other stuff kind of seems more down his line because yeah. again, like you said, he caught a lot of heat for blocking Donald Trump, you know, um, again, I would never run a public company because you, what you're not about to do is if I've started or co-founded a company, then you ask me or request for me to step down, you know, when so this is my, this is mine. this is I what I built, <laughs> whatever it is, good or bad. I, I right. get it. You know, whether, you know, you know, so I'm pretty sure you've kind of felt a certain type of way when, you know, shareholders or whomever the board, whomever asked him to step down back in the day, you know, so he was like, you know what? I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> I ain't got time for all that. I'll go do something else. Right. So, you know, I'll go we'll make even more money because his Twitter money is solidified. That's right. That legacy mm -hmm. is, is, is mm -hmm. cemented. So he doesn't have to worry about that. Right. Right. So. Yeah, we'll see. But like you mentioned, uh, Twitter is pretty much on autopilot. Um, you know, uh, Twitter has the same issues Facebook and all these other companies or yeah. social media platforms have. And that problem ain't going nowhere. So nowhere. <laughs> so Jack was like, yeah, let me get off that ship. <laughs> They're not about to put nothing else on me. Right. All right. All right. Speaking of money, uh, debt collectors are now have the ability to slide in your DMs to uh, get that get that money collected because of course you ain't uh, you're not answering your phone anymore. You know you <laughs> you, you already spam filters on spam right, risk. <laughs> right, you you know how to delete an email from somebody, but you know people who are watching social media like that when you get that uh, that DM notification, you know you are quick to jump in and read that. So I think mm -hmm. the debt collectors have figured that out. And a new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau rule has gone into effect that allows debt collectors to reach out to people on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever else they have online social accounts as long as their DMs are private. And that's for the, the company. So they can't at you on Twitter. I'm like, yo, we've been looking for you. They actually have to send you a private message and they have to identify themselves and they have to provide the option to opt out. So if you see the message and they say, hey, this is, you know, uh, Joe's barbecue and foot massage, right? <laughs> you know, you, your, your tab is up, your, your tab is up, filled up. You know, we need you to pay it back. You know, press, you know, uh, reply with one to, you know, let us call you. Reply with two to let us know. I don't know how it's going to work, but they have to give you. They have to identify who they are. So they can't mm -hmm. DM you and say, hey, I like your work. You know, can we figure out a way to work together? And you all hype because you're trying to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. So you reply back, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Here's my information. Here's my phone number. And then that's like, I gotcha. Uh, I need the student loan back. <laughs> Run me my money. <laughs> right, right. So, that, yeah. But that, that I mean, you know, uh, this is the future. And like I mentioned, no, nobody's, you know, checking mail, uh, snail mail anymore. Mm -mm. You know, nobody's answering their phones due to robocalls. So, I mean, I guess you got to let uh, the people evolve as well, especially when they're trying to get your money. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I did notice the fact that they 
one, they have to identify themselves as a debt collector, collector, mm-hmm. and two, they have to provide you an opt-out option. Mm-hmm. So once you get in there, you have to have your shot ready, your pitch ready mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to give them everything because as soon as they see who it is, it's like, oop, let me opt out, let me block you, let me move around. So it's right. one of those things where they're going to have to, they have this access now, but they're going to have to be, I mean, honestly, very clever and the way they approach people about mm-hmm. what they are, what they owe, because you have to provide an opt out. So you shoot your right. shot and your shot is blocked. They, you gotta, you gotta find another way, but. Right. So. Uh, I, you know, I, I've never had uh debt collectors on me like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you owe people money, you, you got to respect the fact that they're going to try to recoup, recoup, recuperate their money yeah. <laughs> and they're going to try to recoup it wherever you are. Yeah. And if you're on Instagram like that, then I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's kind of sleazy. It's kind of low down, sleazy. you know, that they b- bothering you everywhere you are. But I mean, you got to go where people are. Right. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, so that's all I had for uh, Second String. Let's move into For the Culture. Um, I thought this was interesting. You know, we were talking about Twitter a little bit earlier. Uh, Black Twitter is a thing. Uh, You know, a lot of people know Black Twitter for the funny hot takes. They know uh, Black Twitter for people getting entertained by versus rap battles. You know, the play-by-play on on shows like Insecure. We talked about that in our pre-show. You know, um, a lot of people know Black Twitter for it to be a place where people to just be entertained. Uh, but a doctoral student by the name of Shamika Klassen uh, at the Colorado University of Boulder conducted a store, uh, study between April and May of 2020, analyzing over 75,000 tweets and even interviewing 18 Black Twitter users. Klassen compares the findings to serving a similar purpose as the Green Book. You know, for those who don't know, um, the Green Book is pretty much a, almost like a, a atlas mm-hmm. for people back in, you know, Jim Crow days, black folks specifically, to give them almost like a guide to where they can go, where they can eat, where they can sleep, where they can rest get and gassed, relax, you get know, gas, have fun, yeah. without worried about being, you know, uh, approached or even harmed. Again, this is black folks back in, you know, uh, Jim Crow days yeah. to where, you know, uh, it was kind of dangerous being out at night as an African-American, you know. So um, what she did was she kind of studied all of these tweets, interviewed these people, and she discovered that the platform wasn't utilized solely to share memes, but also to request safe suggestions for lodging places to eat without being side-eyed, not necessarily harmed, but not side-eyed, and which professionals to book in which areas. So again, it kind of shifted from, okay, where can I go to where I won't get attacked? Mm -hmm. To, okay, where can I go to where I can be my authentic self and not have to worry about you know, code switching without having to worry about, you know, um, acting a certain way at a restaurant. I can be me. I can be around others like me because that's the way I would see it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, all right, where do black people go in this city? You know, Mm -hmm. where do black people, you know, eat? And, you know, where do they, where do we party? Where do we, you know, relax? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think, you know, black Twitter, in addition to sharing memes and play by play on popular shows, you know, it actually can be a rich, deep, meaningful community of people. So I, I just thought that was interesting. And then I wanted to ask you, you know, is that your, what is your perception of Black Twitter? Or what do you use it for the most? So Black Twitter definitely is fun, especially when it comes to clowning somebody who has earned that. Mm-hmm. Definitely when it comes to versus shows, um, uh Word shows, those type of things, it's definitely a good time to be had. But I have also noticed that people do ask, you know, um, you know, we talked about Black tech, tech Twitter last week. A lot of people have found jobs through that hashtag. 
people have, you know, references, you know, hey, I'm going to this city. I haven't been there before. Uh, any good, you know, spots that, you know, you know, black folks can go and, you know, have a good time. So it, again, it's one of those things where we have to make our way in whatever space we find ourselves in. People mm -hmm. like to think that we've progressed so far since mm -hmm. the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, even the 70s, and we have not. We've seen it, you know, just last week with the Ahmaud Aubrey case. We've seen how Black people just existing, doing normal, everyday things that every other race does, but being, for lack of a better term, lynched for it. So mm -hmm. it's one of those things where people like to think we've come so far. And granted, we have made progress, but not enough progress where we can fully just be Black people out in the world. We always have to look over our shoulder. We always have to be aware of our surroundings. And we always kind of have to be on guard unless we are around, quote unquote, our people. And so what I think Black Twitter does, it it can provide that. It, it definitely provides a safe haven on social media because we've seen, mm -hmm. you know, with the with the way they're doing spaces now. I mean, was it earlier this week, the spaces of, that were popping right. up are Black yeah. women too public? I mean, it's just ask a, ask, ask a white supremacist, you know, change my mind about Black people. Why are they so... I mean, it's just those type of things. Even on this app, we've mm -hmm. had to find a place of comfort mm -hmm. so that we could enjoy the social media space where we could find community in a space that includes everybody because of historically the way we've been treated and the way we're being treated right now. So it it kind of is a microcosm of of where where we are outside of the social media space, having to find a space just for us within a larger space to ensure that we are safe, to ensure that we can enjoy ourselves, unfettered, to find places even offline to commune with each other and that's safe for us to be in. So it makes perfect sense that Black Twitter has fortunately evolved into this because when it first started, it was just to roast people. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it was a good time. But I'm glad that we've been able to build this sort of community um, where we can laugh and have fun, but also be a safe haven and provide um, advice and instruction for, for us as well. So, yep, yep. I mean, it was a matter of time. Again, like yeah. you mentioned, you know, Twitter as a whole, you know, can feel different depending on who you are. So it's natural for people to create safe spaces in the digital world, which would then also translate into the actual physical world because mm -hmm. it is a difference. You know, um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying when I when I go on Twitter or when I'm just looking for a black owned restaurant, I'm not looking to say, I don't want to be around white people. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is I feel more comfortable around people who look, talk, speak, act like me. And I and should have will, that. Will accept me as well. And, and I, and, and in addition to that, I should, that should be my right just as much as it is your right without you even having to ask. You have spaces to where people, the owner, the employees, the, the patrons, you know, all the people, you feel safe in that space. We we deserve that same right. Now it may look different because I have to specifically request that, but the end result is still the same. Still I want to feel safe. So do you. You should respect that. So we have to build spaces like Black Twitter, and as a result, we use um, uh, services, platforms, uh, social communities like that in real life as well. And it's one of those things where if you know, you know, because I remember when Black Twitter, the the whole, the name of Black Twitter started floating around, people thought it was a separate app. How do I get on Black Twitter? Mm -hmm. Where's Black Twitter? It's one of those things is if you know, right. you know. Which is, I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. That's mean, how it's supposed to be. Because you don't want black. interlopers to come in and completely change the dynamic where we have to change the black, black Twitter or, you know, something else. So, and, it, and it's not even just, I think it's a, it's almost like a weeding out to where mm -hmm. it's like, 
it, it, it should be you have to put in some work to discover it. You know, you mm-hmm. should have to know somebody to know somebody. You, you have to know what time of day you have to be on or you have to know what topics. What type of events that right, are going on right. to even I mean, know to even be online. Right. That in and of itself is, you know, um, it's, it's a community. It's a yeah. community. You know, and, you know, that's uh, one of the bright spots of social media because people find, create, and or find their communities. Yep. You know, but they just got to go with all the other crap that goes along with it. (laughs) Because it is, it can be a cesspool. Right. Like everything else. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is it for for the culture. Uh, I don't have anything. uh, I have something actually again. All right. All right. All right. Two weeks in a row, I think I'm becoming rather tech. So I don't know if it's necessarily a hookup um, more than an awareness. Um, I've been seeing on social media, um, on some of the TikToks, that um, AirTags, Terrence and I both have them. Mm -hmm. Um, They are now being used by bad actors. Um, People haven't been quite able to figure out what people's plans are. But um, they've been dropped in women's purses at clubs, in women's bags at the airport. Um, Since they're magnetic, people, they were initially kind of sticking them under the wheel of the car, but they realized people were checking there. So what they are doing is lifting up your um, license plate and sticking it under the license plate. Because again, this thing is probably, you know, it's about the size of a nickel. They're pretty small. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what people aren't realizing is if there is an air tag that is not um, on that is not recognized on your device, you will get pop-ups saying mm-hmm. an air tag is traveling with you. And mm-hmm. people were just ignoring it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it must be some kind of weird thing. You mm-hmm. know, turning off location services, doing all of these things. If you keep seeing a notification that says an, an air tag is tra- an, uh, right. an air tag is traveling with you, and you know mm-hmm. that one you don't have an air tag, or two the air tags that you have are already allocated to something. Stop immediately. Mm-hmm. Search your belongings. Search your person. Search your vehicle. Take that if you find it. Take it to the police. If you the one of the girls showed on on TikTok, she said in the notification it said if this is not your air tag please contact the police because at this point there's nothing that Apple can do. The girl said she went to the Apple store. Mm-hmm. She, um, she called, she did all these things. They're like, if we don't have the serial number, there's nothing we can do with this information. Mm-hmm. So you need to stop and search all of your things to, to try and find this because air tags are extremely precise down to feet of where you are. And if someone has placed this in your purse, on your car, in your luggage, on, on anything that you own, that is, it is tracking you. Someone knows exactly where you are at all times. And this is one of those things that can put you in a situation, unfortunately, where you could be in harm's way. So definitely pay attention. If you start to see those alerts pop up saying that, you know, uh, an air tag is traveling with you. Now, if you are an Android user, people can still track you with an air tag. So there's an app called AirGuard that you can download that is essentially kind of like a find my iPhone type of thing that can recognize that an air tag is traveling with you. Again, you don't have an Apple device, so you wouldn't get a warning that says an AirTag is traveling with you. But Mm -hmm. this app AirGuard is what a lot of Android users have installed on their phone or are installing on their phone to ensure that they don't have an AirTag stuck to their car in their purse or some, you know, other place. So just one of those things, be super safe, be super aware. It's holiday season time. Um, people are desperate. People are just bad people. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you are aware of your surroundings and aware of notifications that may pop up on your phone that may seem like a nuisance. Please, please, please be advised of them and follow the proper precautions. Right. And it's not very hard. To, well, I want to say that depending on the phone you have, if you have a newer phone, like a 12 or even a 13, 
and you get that message that a AirTag is traveling with you, you know, you can use your phone and not just give you an approximate location, but you can move around and it'll give you an arrow that says 12 feet this way, three feet this way, five feet this way, you know, so, uh, you know, it's not as complicated as you think it is. If you get that notification, it may take you just a quick two or three minutes and you'll be able to find this device. And then like Nika mentioned, you know, contact the police, contact Apple. They'll need that serial number and they can actually do something with that information versus you just screenshotting it and saying, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, you give more information, you give somebody the um, more help you'll be able to get in return. So, all right. That's a pretty good uh, um, hookup and actually pretty relevant because I have air, like Nika mentioned, I have an air tag and I put it on my keychain for my car. And when my wife would <laughs> take the car, she would, she would message me and be like, Hey, I'm getting this message. I'm like, Oh, that's my keys. My keys mm -hmm. are with you. My keys, the air tag is registered to me. Since it's traveling with you and it knows you have an iPhone, your iPhone is like, yo, uh, do you know what's up with this? And, you know, that's what that message was. So, all right. All right. So that was a pretty good hookup um, with that. I think we are done for this week. Um, definitely. We appreciate your support. Uh, one of the ways you can support us even more is if you download, rate, and review our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also engage with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Snobboy's Cast. You can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, once I clean up this video for all of our technical difficulties, uh, you'll be able to watch us on YouTube at Snobboy's Cast. Of course, be sure to like and subscribe and share the content. Uh, you can leave comments and suggestions either on our website at snobboyscast.com. Or you can send us an email, snobboyscast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also join our community. We got a couple new community members in our Discord this week. So if you go to our website, you can click the Join Community button and get right into our Discord chat. Um, if you really want to support us, for real, for real, Christmas holidays is coming up. Uh, you can give us a couple dollars. Uh, one of the ways you can do that is becoming a Patreon supporter. Uh, for as little as $3 a month, you get some extra content. And then for $5 a month, you get even more content from us. Um, if you don't want to commit monthly, you can hit us up on PayPal. Go to paypal.me forward slash snobos. And you can give us uh, give us a tip. You can tip us a couple dollars there. Um, and other than that, I think that is it for this week. Uh, until next week, uh, we are out. Peace. Bye, everybody. Thank you.